You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey there. Getting ready to get started here pretty soon. Oh, I don't want to have a picture in picture. That's interesting. Hmm. What's coming? You got it here pretty soon. I'll get it started pretty soon. Hmm. It's strange. I've got this soon. I'll get it started pretty soon. It's strange. I've got this soon. I'll get it started pretty soon. It's strange. I've got this soon. I'll get it started pretty soon. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Eagle, your natural health authority, and um, I'm live right now on my Facebook page, and I'm trying to figure out how some problems with it. Okay. Um, I'm just going to let it roll the way that it is. So you can also find me uh, live on um, Strategic Healing. Um, that's my Facebook page. Um, later, I put these uh, radio shows on my YouTube channel, which is Jason Eagle QRA, and... Um, uh, that's a way to find it if you kind of put those numbers in. You can find my office, meaning you can connect me at my office by dialing 734-985-5891. This is Jason Eagle, your natural health authority. And um, today we're going to do a show that's a bit on COVID. It's a bit on COVID testing. Um, that's uh, in particular the PCR test. And I'm going to go off of a CDC document, uh, this document that uh, you, if you go to the CDC, it's basically called, it's the official document, uh, which is called the CDC 2019 Novel, Novel Coronavirus Real-Time RT-PCR Diagnostic Panel. This is for emergency use only. Basically, this is for doctors. So this is the instructions of how to do the testing, how to do the um, what's called the polymerase uh, chain reaction test. I'm going to go into it and kind of the take home is, is it's not what you think it is. It's not even what the doc, if you're truly are an epidemiologist or whatever, uh, and you are into um, really understanding what this says. Uh, I'm going to really go into it, and this is controversial, but again, just based upon what the CDC says and what doctors say and understanding what this is, I'm going to help to explain this for you. And the reason is, let me get back to this, the most important thing about this show and all the shows that I do uh, on anything that I talk about health, this is Jason Eagle, your natural health authority, is because I want to instill, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And the only way that you can be afraid is, number one, by being brave, 
But number two, by having, getting knowledge and getting a knowing that gets you to, because see, you have to calm yourself down and everything is fearful around you. And especially we are built as humans, as animals, which is to fear the unknown and also social pressure in terms of what's going on in society and all this other stuff around us that can also instill fear. But again, through training, like the, I guess what all of the army people say and stuff like that is through training, you then are able to do it through fear, be brave. It doesn't mean that you're afraid, but actually even after a period of time, you're not afraid and you're able to be brave and it doesn't even take bravery. It just takes when you really understand like, for instance, the person that was scared of the graveyard or scared of the dark, as I used to be as a child, because I didn't know what was there. Now, boy, you should see me out in the middle of the night going to check on my chickens out in the middle of a, a dark and spooky barn and stuff like that. And sometimes the light, you know, is weak and goes out. And I'm not afraid. I'm And I had that same fear. But that's because I've done it so many times. And I've the bad thing that I thought was going to happen has never happened. Okay? So... You know, and part of it is, is it's what's called transcendent. You have to be able to transcend your fears, to transcend them into confidence so that you're able, because that confidence is also a level of hormones and a level of health. And if you want to be healthy, then you should have a peace inside. Now, this is a quote, uh, I don't know who said it, but I'm saying it right now, which is, remember, transcendent people do what is hard and that's why their lives are easy. You think doing these shows are easy? You think, like, I'd much rather just talk about, like, oh, this person came in and this. And I'll talk about that some later. But this is hard because this is necessary and I'm taking the brunt of it. It's hard for me. And once I get over these shows, then it's easy. And it's and my life is easy for, number one, for me to not be afraid and for me to take the choices in this world and with other people that I do and stand and stand in knowledge. Then the other one is, is people in suffering do what is easy, and that's why their lives are hard. Okay, suffering. <laughs> there's You don't know about this, but I mentioned before, there's some people that are following me that have turned my shows into a drinking game, <laughs> which is anytime I say Star Wars, <laughs> and I'm going to say Star Wars again, because remember what Yoda said, suffering leads to this, leads to this. But see, suffering is only a frame of mind. You can literally be in what you would call people are sitting on you and you're suffering. And a person who's trained can, eat, you know, go into their, their meditation or go into their mind and basically just be at peace. You know, people that through war who have been trained or just through, through trauma, let's say people that have lived with a lot of trauma in their family, they're fighting over there. Normally my heart's going like this, but I've learned how to just be, be at peace. I remember when I was younger and uh, there were bullies in the block and I learned how to be able to, while they were sitting on my chest and my heart was pumping and learned to just look at them in the face, say, go ahead, go ahead. Like, and when they saw that, that now I was fearful, but I transcended that into don't show the fear. And quite frankly, that's what got them off my chest. That's what got them from, you know, stopping while you're hitting yourself up. It's if they don't get a rise out of me anymore, then they go away because they feed off of the fear. So right now it is hard not to be afraid. Everything around us is hard not to be afraid. But again, as I said in the beginning, transcendent people 
Do what's hard now. Be brave. Learn what you need to learn about the situation, about this reality out there, about the time that we're in, and also about the facts, okay? And start sifting through the facts. Now, a lot of this is complicated, so that's what I do here is I sift through it for you because I'm the one that reads it. I'm the one that goes over it, and I'm the one that is um, taking the time to go through this. So let's go through this. So when they say they're getting positive tests, how, what is a positive test? Well, first of all, there's multiple different types of tests, but the test that they're using right now, the, the one that is the one, the nasal swab, okay? This is what's called a polymer, an RT-PCR test, an RT polymerase chain reaction, okay? Now let's go to what that test is. That test was invented by a, a man, I don't know if he was a doctor or whatever, but his name was Kerry Mullis, K-A-R-Y-M-U-L-L-I-S. He won the Nobel Peace Prize for chemistry for this test in 1993. Now, the interesting thing is, is this man recently died uh, in 2019, mysteriously died. So he's not around to defend this test, but before he died, uh, years before, he was on record of saying, quote, you cannot use this test to prove infectious etiology or to diagnose an infectious disease, end quote, because it's a misuse of it because, now let me explain how it works, okay? And this document basically tells you how they do it, okay? So first of all, the PCR test is, what they're doing is they're taking a nasal swab and they're taking a sample of some of your tissues. Now, what they're looking for is what's called RNA. Now, there's DNA that's in our body, and each cell is the, the DNA, and that's essentially the recipe for the cell, okay? So the, um, there's, and then there's RNA, and RNA is smaller. RNA is a, a part of DNA. RNA can transcribe and write DNA, and so it's within it and without it. So RNA is used to change DNA or make copies of DNA. Okay, so um, now let me take you to the real kicker of this CDC document. And it says effective uh, essentially 7-13-2020. So it's fairly recent. So as of 7-13-2020, if you go to page 39, which is an opposite of a 93, and 93 is a, it's an interesting number, and haha, a little wink there, funny guys. Um, but page 39 says... Since no quantified virus isolates of the 2019 novel COVID virus or NCOV are currently available, then they, what they do is they grow it on what's called human A549 cells. Okay. Now let me explain that because this is a quandary. Okay. So what this means is that there are no quantified virus isolates, meaning nobody has isolated. And if they say they have, the CDC has not accepted it, meaning nobody has basically said, but chunk, here's the picture of what it looks like. This is what it is because all we have is particles of it. All we have is pieces of it. 
So I'll use this, this analogy, which is it's very similar to um, years ago with, I think it was through the Smithsonian or it might have been through National Geographic Society or whatever. There was a, a archaeologist who claimed to have found the missing link, proving that there was, that we descended from apes. Okay, and he built this whole model of a skeleton off of something that they had discovered. Well, it later turned out it was a tooth, and so then they all they had was a tooth, and they built a whole skeleton just like they do for dinosaurs, which is oftentimes it's been proven like that's not what the thing looks like. That was its thumb. That wasn't its, its nose. So what it turned out was the tooth was actually a tooth from a pig. Not even close to an ape man, not even close to a man. And then it was later debunked. But what that is, is they built a whole model. So it's like if you were to get, for instance, a headlight from the junkyard and say, okay, now take this headlight and you've never seen the car that it comes from. You don't know what it comes from. Now take me and build the car. What does the car look like that this headlight came off of? You would never know. If you've never seen the car before, you would have no idea. Now, let me explain how this is true for what's called the PCR test. What the PCR test is, is they use a technology to essentially amplify it, okay? Basically, take it and run it through cycles and amplify it and grow it and grow it and grow it and grow it. Now, let's go back to what are they growing it on? They're taking a piece of your RNA, okay? And it can be very, very minute parts. But what they do is they grow it on a cell culture that came from humans. You want to know what cell culture that one is? I looked it up. It's what's called A549 cells. And A549 cells are a lung cancer tumor cell. Came from an individual like in 1948 and they isolated it. And it's, it's an anomalous, it's not normal tissue cells. It's a cancerous lung cancer cell that grows very fast. Now, the reason they pick that is because they wanted to speed up the process. That's why they can say, well, we've now developed this test that takes 15 minutes. Well, that means that they're using chemical reagents and they're using other things to speed up the growth like super, super fast, as well as tissues that are a fast growing, but even not a normal tissue. Now they'll say, well, you know, why? Because we needed to get it to grow that fast because we needed that. We can't take days, weeks, months to test each person and get the results. We've got to get something fast. And so already there, there's a problem because what you're doing is, is you're growing it on a cell. Now, again, these cancer cells are, again, these are, are common. These can, again, cancer cells are in people. Everyone's got some cancer cells floating around. You are your own cancer cells. But a, as opposed to a normal lung epithelial cell or skin, inside skin tissue, they took it from an anomalous one, mean, and a very fast growing one. Okay. So, and I don't know enough about it, but I know enough to kind of be, hmm, that's interesting. That's why it could be suspicious in terms of, whoa, the result that you might be getting might be false positives and false negatives. And it also might be showing people have this, which means, oh my goodness, if we really amp up the testing or get it to, is there a way to show that everybody has this? Yes, there is. And it is in what is the, this? Okay. So, um, uh, the instructions of use of this type of cell testing 
it's what's called a surrogate testing. And a surrogate testing is kind of like a surrogate mother, right? Okay, or what you would call in, in vitro fertilization. And this is exactly what this is. This is what's called in vitro. They grow it in a Petri dish or they grow it in these little kits. They're essentially little Petri dishes with a kind of super, super fast growing type of technology to kind of boom, make it happen very, very fast. Well, but it's a surrogate testing, meaning it's not going into anything that is even similar to what's called in vivio or in human or even in living cultures. Now, for testing, that's kind of a standard type of thing that we do. Okay. Now, what we've come up with is if you want to get to what's called causation, you're trying to prove causation. You're trying to prove this thing that we found is the cause of why this person's sick here, that we've diagnosed them with COVID and that they have COVID, right? If you go back to the very beginning of it, the beginning of the, this document, uh, let's go to, I think it's page one or page two. Um, let me go to it because uh, I'll read it exactly. And it tells you these, it already says like, wait a minute, like you, you can't use this for this. You can, but if you do, then it's, it's just different. And basically you're, you cannot rule out the fact that you're going to be showing a cold. You're going to show bacterial infection. You cannot rule these out, which is on page one, which is the agent detected may not may not, it may or it may not be what's the, the definitive cause of the disease. Okay. So they admit that right there. So when you get into what's called testing, within the medical industry, it's what's called gold standard. A gold standard, there's that word gold or AU authority. And this is Jason Eagle, your natural health authority. AU stands for gold, authentic. It's got, you can't fake gold. It's got to be real. You can't fake real truth. You can't fake facts. Okay? You can skew the facts, but you can't fake them. How you interpret the facts, but the facts stand for the, if they're facts, they stand for themselves, these data points. Okay? So, uh, number one, a gold standard test where everybody in the medical community says, you know what? We accept that. And it's already gone through this, which means people can argue what they want, but they're just, just arguing for the sake of art. There's no real stand on their argument. Okay? This type of testing, the PCR test, is not a gold standard test, and I'll explain why it's not a gold standard test. There are five criteria, really, that in any type of testing that says, yes, that's what you found, and we can say that's what causes it, and so we can kind of say, this is what did it. This is what is. They are connected. So number one in a gold standard test is you must have what's called isolation. Isolation has already been debunked on page 36, or 39 of this one, which is the CDC document says, since no quantified virus isolates of this virus are currently available. So they're admitting we don't have it isolated. So that's check number one. Again, you can't, so it's not isolated. And there are, there are, you know, when people look at that, there are some universities that we've isolated, we've isolated. Well, guess what? The CDC has not accepted that because they've kind of said, no, you, you really haven't. You've not, we, that's not adequate for us. Now, it may be adequate and they're, they're blocking it or maybe they're, it's not adequate because their testing was not done correctly or their data or something like that. Whatever the reason is, the CDC is saying, 
we have no isolated thing, meaning we haven't taken a picture of the whole car. We don't know what it looks like. You've got a piece, and then you've grown this piece, and it then turned into this, and we cannot prove that that's exactly what it is because your growing method, I'll explain later, could change it. Your growing method could be, and this thing could be inside of everybody, and, and it's just because you showed it doesn't mean that it's, that, that they're the ones that have it, and then the other people that don't test positive don't have it, okay? Number two, how, how do, what will determine that is what's called purification. They don't have a purification. So in this PCR testing, you don't have one isolation. You don't have purification. You don't have what's called number three, reinfection. They've not been able to show reinfection. If you remember early on where they're saying, we're really struggling with people, which is what we call the second wave or first wave, or if they got it and then built immunity and they got reinfected or did they get reinfected? So we can't prove reinfection. Number four is we don't have viremia. Now, let me explain this. Viremia means a presence of virus in the blood. It's not in the blood. It may be in the nasal pharynx. It may be in the nasal swab and, and only those fluids, but you can't find it in the blood. And if you can't find it in the blood, then it's not necessarily uh, on the level of everything else, right? And it's, it's definitely not. On, so, and then number five, we get to, we don't have millions of copies of electron microscope um, examples of this. There's not. And so within all of those five different things, these are what's called the gold standard. If you pass this, 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 then absolutely the whole medical community and everybody, including what you base upon what's called a, a pandemic or epidemic, is then it fits the criteria. Now let's get into, okay, this testing. So first of all, it's not 100% reliable. Now I'm going to tell you how this one becomes 100% reliable, and it's very shady, okay? This means essentially we have no idea who has this coronavirus disease. Just because you showed up for a positive test or a negative doesn't mean you have it or you don't have it. And what is it? Now, that's not negating that there's people showed up in the hospital that had weird things going on in their lungs. Their blood oxygen level went very low very quickly. I know one person personally, he ended up in the hospital. And he almost died a couple times and he's been sick before. And this was like nothing before. So that's not saying that there's not something out there that's but again, pinning this thing on this thing has not been proven yet, okay? But we've used this to close everything down and then justify that we say we know what's going on, okay? They took an RNA sequence, okay? So this is how the polymerase chain reaction works. They take the swab. They take some stuff from your nose. Now, there's the deep one, and then there's the shallow one. Um, doesn't matter. That's where they're taking it from those mucosal membranes. And which is a, it has within it, maybe it has within it what's called an RNA sequence. This test has these reagents. It has those cells that come from this lung tumor cancer cell. And then it has these things that speed up and what's called amplify it. So because the, uh, on everybody, on 100% of everybody that gets tested, the sample is too small. And it's not about the amount of of mucus that you get. It's amount of RNA fragments that are in fragments of code, not actually a living thing because the virus is not actually a living thing. It's fragments of code. It's essentially hacking instructions that are floating around and can get inside a computer, which is a cell and hack it and change it. 
Okay, so they took this RNA sequence, basically took some, took some, you know, boogers, and then they put in that, and they stimulate it, and they amplify it. And what they do is they go with, with these, what's called cycles. So it goes two, four, blah, blah, blah. And it goes all the way up to 20 cycles, 35 cycles. So right around 35 cycles, you're going to start to see some positive results. Anything below 35 cycles. So let's say 20 cycles. That's why they were experimenting with how many times do we do this? So that means how many times do you bake it and bake it and bake it again and again and make it double and make it triple. When you get up to what's called uh, 60 cycles, meaning there are people that are doing this and there are, there are countries. That's why it's different in different countries because how many cycles they're standardized. There's a standard, which the doctors go, okay, in Denmark, we are doing these many cycles in United States. We're doing these and in different States and in different places. So let's say in this community in Michigan, the doctors here, the RNs or whoever does it, their instructions are to do, let it go 60 cycles. When it goes to 60 cycles, this data shows that 100% of the tests show positive, okay? Now, when you get to around lower than that, right around 35 cycles, okay, that's kind of right between 35, 36 is what, what many doctors and many, you know, um, guys that are experts in this, authorities in this, say that's right around where the sweet spot is, is where you've amplified it enough and it kind of separates the wheat from the chaff and you're not making it happen. But what that means is, is when you develop it by 60 cycles, amplifying it, the reason that 100% of people are showing up with it is because most likely this is something that is inside of everybody. It has always been. It's part of your immune system reaction. It's part of now saying, is this an external virus or whatever? This does not prove that. It really doesn't. And it doesn't prove causation. Okay. So one of the problems is, is, you know, is the question is, is, and this is a valid question that has still been with many of the doctors, is And many of the doctors are afraid to talk about this because they don't want to lose their license or they don't want to be ostracized and they're afraid to get on one side. And so outwardly public, they will say this, but internally they'll say this with each other and they kind of go, did you look at that? Like, did you really read? But there's a whole bunch of doctors that don't read this stuff. And if they do, they forgot it after medical school. And I never went to medical school. Okay. Don't let yourself hear this. I'm just a guy on YouTube right? I'm just a guy on the radio, but I am smart and I know how to read and I know how to use my mind and my logic skills. And I know how to, um, and I've also seen people. I also treat people. I'm not a doctor, but I'm a healthcare provider, a natural healthcare provider. My name is Jason Eagle, your natural health authority. And I'm going to take this opportunity right now to do that and take a commercial and let you hear about me. So I'll be right back. If we've learned anything from the recent medical crisis, it's how extremely important it is to maintain our good health. Diabetes, asthma, pain, and other underlying conditions weaken our ability to stave off viruses and heal even minor scrapes and cuts. This is why it is so vital to heal, not just treat, chronic health issues. It is possible to overcome underlying health issues and return to a strong and healthy state, and it can be done naturally without the inevitable side effects of medication. But first, you must make that choice to be healthy. 
Your next step is to contact Jason Eagle of Strategic Healing Center at 734-985-5891. Jason will get to the heart of what is really causing your underlying health issues. Then he'll create a customized plan that will get you back to your natural, healthy self. Get on the path to better health. Call 734-985-5891 to make your appointment with Jason Eagle of Strategic Healing. Or go online to wrdt560.com slash askingtheexperts and click on Strategic Healing. And tune into AM560 WRDT every Wednesday afternoon at 1 for healthy living advice from Jason Eagle on Ask the Experts. Okay, everybody, this is Jason Eagle, your Natural Health Authority. I'm going to take this moment to remind people that you can call me, uh, my office, 734-985-5891. I could do uh, in-office appointments, but I can also do over the phone. Um, I want to remind people that um, I had a T-shirt printed up that you can order in any size you want, and it's a black T-shirt with white letters that says, uh, Immune System Size Matters. And again, if you really get down, I'm giving you information, but again, let's head this whole information at the pass is, which is just be healthy. Okay. The other answer of this is that the Trump's, whether you tested positive, you tested negative, whether it was a positive that's asymptomatic or symptomatic, but a, a negative test, well, what the heck does that all that mean? Again, be healthy, get strong. And one of the things that we do know is that the younger people are not getting it. And when they do get it, they get over it and they get it. So it's, and then if you are healthy enough, no matter what's your age, what, you know, how could we have the president be like, you know, two, three days later, it's better, right? And it's not just the drugs that he got. Maybe it is, and they're making that available. But again, it's just, there's other stuff going on and at the, at the bottom of it, it you get on top of all of it just by being healthy. And one of the big things about being healthy, we can talk about your physiology, supplements, we can talk about you know diet and things like that, but also frame of mind, a healthy frame of mind. And I'm not talking about being deluded. And I'm not talking, people are going, you know, you're, this is dangerous stuff maybe because you're, you, no, this is not dangerous stuff. I am just using their own information to say, let's look at this and let's go through and see what it says and let's question it and actually to put some logic skills and says, oh my goodness, that kind of says that. And what that should make you feel like is, hey, good, like this is not as bad as I thought. And But it still does not negate the fact that this is flu time. And again, I told people, like whatever people would think is the second wave that's happening. Now I'm, they're using this test and now I'm really understanding like, whew, boy, this test could really mean a whole bunch of different things. But that means that people are getting sicker right now, whatever numbers you're calling up. And I also told people what was probably about two weeks ago, like, get prepared for this. This happens every year this time because across the north, the northern hemisphere, this is when people turn their heaters on. This is when people turn their furnaces on. And the old furnaces that have been sitting there with dust and, and grows a bunch of stuff that now suddenly it gets put in the air. And now suddenly you become dehydrated because you haven't modified how much you drink water. And so your nasal passages get dry and cracked. 
and or low vitamin D is another factor. And this is why we come into these flu seasons and cold seasons. And that's why if you, how do you protect yourself? See it coming, see it coming and prepare yourself. And it, sometimes it's just something as simple as like, oh, that's right. Like I forgot to open up my windows for the first couple of days when I turn my heater on and just air the, the house out. Like grandma and great grandma, spring cleaning and this, that's what they would do is like, get this stuff out of here because that will make you sick. And um, so anyways, going back to a little bit more of this test, I'm talking about the PCR testing, which has been used to prove these positives, which means the, the take home message of this and where I'm at right now, which is if they do enough cycles, everybody will prove a hundred percent positive. Uh, all you have to do is amplify the RNA. And that's what this test does. That's why the inventor of this test before he died said, you cannot use this test to prove infectious etiology or to diagnose any infectious disease. End quote. That was Kerry Mullis, 1993 Nobel Peace Prize for Chemistry for this test. But he essentially said, <laughs> don't do what you're doing because it's going to create all kinds of... You know, we have nothing to compare it with. That's when you get into the fact that, number one, that this document states that we have not isolated it. Again, no one's taking a picture of it. No one's like the chupacabra, which is like no one's really seen it. You know, the goat sucker. We've seen what it's done to the cows and the other animals, but no one's really, really taken a picture of it. And so all we can say is what the teeth marks look like, and we think that it looks like this, and it's footprints, but you don't know. It's like Sasquatch. Okay, you can amplify it and you can take and you do, can doctor the pictures, but you can make that look like anything. That's essentially what this is saying that and then not having anything to compare it with. If you want to demonstrate that an epidemic gets better, meaning if they can say, boy, we're really nipping this and the bud, which is OK, now looks like the numbers down. All you have to do is reduce the amplifications, meaning the word goes out to the doctors in Colorado or wherever it is and, and basically say, OK, guess what, guys, like bring your amplifications down to 35 times, 36 times. OK, whereas in another place, all you have to do is tell them, ramp it up, ramp it up to now run at 60 cycles. And now that area is going to show higher numbers. So then suddenly the problem is gone if you ramp it down to 35 cycles in one area, but keep it at 60 in another area. Some places they ramp it up to 100 times, which means that's over 100%. Like everybody's going to show a positive. Okay, so that's part of this test. And, and then when we get into where they show the numbers of the different countries, because keep in mind, all the countries are using this test. Um, and uh, they're using other tests too, or other forms of this test, but... So in every country uses different standardized cycles of amplification. And theoretically, I haven't proven it, but that may even be different here in America, meaning this state does these many cycles, this state these many cycles, and that changes the results. Because again, you're growing it on something that is not of it, is a fast grower, and you're amplifying it again and again and again, okay? And so hopefully this has given people a lot more understanding of actually this test of what does it really mean? Now, am I saying that that means a positive test means that you, I don't know. But what I do know is that 
in all other forms of saying that the CDC says we need to be careful of this, especially to call it an epidemic or a pandemic, the muster that it had to pass is it had to be a gold standard test. Eh, this one's not. And there's what, five counts of why it's not a gold standard test. Okay. So eh, anybody in the medical community would be like, uh, okay, like, what, like, did we suddenly change the rules? Like, what, what happened here? Like, we used to do this, and suddenly it's like, you know, like going into, like, Cedar Point. Like, suddenly now toddlers can get in, right? Like, I thought you have to be this tall to get in. And no, we just, you know, you just have to be, like, less than two inches. What? Uh, it, I'm using these analogies, but that's what it says, is essentially that the the way of of alerting and, and assuring and testing and confirming, and in particular, being able to document or what's, what's prove causation. That's the, that's the honeypot. That's what we're trying to say is, have you been able to prove causation? No, no, you've not, right? And I know this in personal, which is there's been people like the one person asymptomatic tested positive for it. And then the other person, the husband that's been living with them, not. And, you know, and I've known families where they tested positive and then they tested negative and then tested positive again. And then the other parts of the family negative the whole time. And that doesn't eat. And they're, they're, they're breathing the same air. They're getting sneezed on. They're getting kissed and all this other stuff. And. So it doesn't even fit the standard model of, let's say, you know, um, other infectious diseases. That's another thing in terms of the masks is, you know, masks do not protect against aerosolization. Okay, what's aerosolization mean? Certain diseases, like the plague, that's aerosolized. Or what's called, like, say, the yellow fever. And I was just watching, like, we've been through this many times before. I was just watching uh, Turner Classic Movies, an old movie called uh, Horatio Hornblower. And it's about back in, you know, the the uh, British times. And it's about this British captain sailing on a ship. And he's on this, he's the captain of the ship. And, and they're out to sea. They've been out to sea for like seven months. And they talked about the lashing, ration of limes that the lime juice has now gone down. And so they're getting scurvy and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, they had been at the sea. And Horatio Hornblower didn't tell everybody what his secret mission was. And they were off the coast of, of South America. And they were off of Panama. Right. But they were their instructions were to not touch land, not come close to land. Well, they came upon this boat that was stranded and they brought those people in. And it turns out that that boat had a lady who she was like some princess of over in Europe. And they escaped Panama because Panama at that time had the yellow fever. And that means everybody got it. It was highly infectious because it was aerosolized. And so she got on the ship and they were not sick or anything like that. But later in the movie, after overexerting herself, she gets sick and she gets the fever and it's like, oh my goodness. And so the captain put her in her, her core, his quarters and gave instructions like, I'm going to stay with her. I'm going to read up about this and no one's to come in because that was a one that wasn't a mask wouldn't help you. It's actually was the breathing. And, and that, that was the risk was like, oh my goodness, if she gets the yellow fever, then that's when they raised what's called the black flag. And the black flag was a notice to all other ships, don't even come close to us because this is carried on the air, let alone. And so if we really, and so the CDC went back and forth of what's being called aerosolized. Well, 
They're not concerned about aerosolized. What does an aerosolized really mean? That means if you can smell a gas, then you caught it. And the only way to not smell a gas is a, a respirator, is something like a gas mask. So again, people that are afraid of you wearing your mask or not you wearing mask or getting too close to you or, or being an outside or something like that, again, it's we're talking about particulates of little small that still have gravity and you have to touch them or it has to be blown right into your face or something like that. Um, the nanized particle, particles can be nanized, which it can be like if you're in close enough proximity of a person, but it doesn't carry on the wind. And so again, what does aerosolize means? If someone, let's say, passed gas and you smelled it, that's aerosolized. And if you, for instance, if someone passed gas and you had a gas mask on, then you couldn't smell it. That would be the only way to protect you from an infectious disease that is aerosolized. Obviously, that's not what these masks are. These masks, you're breathing out around it. If someone tooted in the, you know, in, um, uh, what is it, the elevator, you'd smell it. And if this was what's called an aerosolized form, like a, you know, measles or some of the other ones, so the masks, so people, when they get out there and they're like, oh, they're really afraid and all this other stuff, and they're treating it as if it's this fear of the unknown, like it was a plague. And there are even so people that will not leave their home, okay? Well, you, you know, we still have not necessarily proven. I'm not trying to rule anything out. I'm just bringing up questions of like, hey, wait a minute. I know this, I know this, I know this. And there's lots of conflict here. There's lots of conflict and Betting your whole horse on this is, uh, and especially even putting it out to the public to kind of say, listen, this is like from right from the horse's mouth. Well, the horse's mouth don't know what it's talking about. The horse now has not agreed. And the medical community that makes the horse's mouth is are in under contention because, again, the science is not there. Or the science is there, but the science shows possibly something different, which is, you can make a positive out of anything because this thing is, and again, we go back to what if we tested 10 years ago with this test? Would this show up? Yes, yes, this would show up because people have this misunderstanding that we have isolated. We know what it is and we now have this new thing and they, they say that they've isolated, isolated the RNA. They haven't. They have not. And if they have, again, like I said, the CDC does not accept it and has not accepted it yet. So they're still going on the premise of whatever you get, that little piece, if you grow it enough, then you could say, yep, it's there. And it takes many times those many cycles. That's why they had to keep experimenting. They There were times where they brought it up to 200 cycles and stuff like that. Um, and that was really, really pushing this test in order to make it show what they wanted it to show, okay? But th again, we don't even know what we want yet because we just know that we really want to protect people, that's for sure, okay? But what that means is, is how can you protect people from something that's natural and innate to them and that you would always find? Then we got to protect against something else. And that's why my show is here is, is the hit is number one, protect yourself from fear and ignorance and mass hysteria, that's the most important thing. Do not panic, right? When they say, you know, go quietly to the exits. Don't run when a fire goes off. That's what these lights are because you'll trample each other. And that's essential. And then, then now the, the cure or the, the fix is worse than the problem. And that's part of what we've been talking about is make sure that the fix 
is not worse than, well, we've already done that and we've already in that. So how do we get through that? The best way to get through anything is to become confident, is to become strong, to be self-assured and to also cover the basics of number one, this is all about health. So be healthy. And one of the top things that we have figured out about all of this, which is number one, minerals are so important and zinc is an important mineral. Okay. Um, zinc is so, so, so that was used with for some of the treatment, which means is when, if it worked for the treatment of people, then that means that they were addressing a deficiency. So people are deficient, especially when your immune system takes over. And that's the other part of this thing is, is that this one is different. It's not really the virus that kills you. It's your reaction and your overreaction. Your immune system gets stuck in doing it. It's like I said, when a person, like in certain movies where a person passes out and falls on the throttle, now it's going to be going right over the cliff. The person has passed out and they can't wake up and they can't stop it. And that's what happens when the, the deaths, this one in particular is there's a process where it goes really, really fast, but that's where they've gotten to therapeutics and the other stuff, which is if we could give people enough energy to wake up and get their immune system to then respond, then what happens is, is then they respond, then their immune system basically goes, oh, okay, what was I doing? And then it slows down. And then, then their body doesn't eat themselves up or it doesn't become a swamp. Literally the lungs become a swamp and they just die in your own juices because you can't breathe and you can't get oxygen. There's a number of other factors, but it's on that same level. That's on, on a, a epidemiological uh, level is that's what they figured out is if we can head that off in the past, no matter where the person is, pre-symptomatic, you know, small symptoms all the way down to the worst ones, which is these people are on respirator and their lungs are collapsing and they just turn and they can't get oxygen. If we can get energy into their system, we can then revive it. And the first thing that you want to revive is, is, is get your immune system to come back from the ledge. Okay. So that's where zinc comes in. Um, that's where we also get into vitamin C, you know, vitamin C is a big thing uh, in terms of being able, again, like in Horatio Hornblower, these guys, we've been dealing with this for a long time, which is if you don't get enough vitamin C, your cells will, and your membranes will develop breaks and your immune system will then eat your body in order to provide it the energy to keep it going. And you can eat all the food, like the hardtack they were eating there, without enough vitamin C, they would have bleeds. So vitamin C is super, super important. And again, when that's real super serious critical, but we're talking about a level of, do you have enough energy to run your immune system with what you just faced today? Or what, because you got weak or overturned or, or, or were working out too hard or too stressed, um, that just, you burned yourself out, you burned your candle at two ends. And that's the big take hold message with the people that are in hospice and, or hot, you know, nursing homes and just general public is we've been, you know, if you're burning the candle at two ends, stop it and take care of yourself. This is Jason Eagle, your natural health authority. And, uh, and now I'm going to go into some questions that I've had from the past and, and that, um, are also dealing with uh, just health in general. So one of the questions that I had is from a David, and his David is a right leg swelling. Not both legs. Now, sometimes you get people where both legs swell. 
Sometimes you've seen people, men or women, where like their lower half looks like they are a different person. Look as if like they were wearing waders and the waders filled up with fluid. And then their upper body is relatively normal, skinny. How is that? And is that all fat? What you'll find in a lot of people, it's a lot of fluid. So and there's two different types of fluid. You can have this loose fluid, which is it's kind of jelly and it's loose. And that's like water weight, okay? So that means it's coming from the kidneys, it's coming from the adrenals, it's also coming from the spine, okay? But we can also have where this, this swelling is actually what's called lymphedema. So lymphedema is, let's say, when a person puts their socks on and then they take their socks off and it ling leaves a ring. And real what's called uh, you know pitting edema is that ring will stay there for hours or let's say push into your shin. And if you leave a dent, that's what's called lymphedema, meaning this fluid is not literally a liquid fluid anymore. It's turned into jello. And so your legs can feel like they're lead weights. Now, when it's true lymphedema and systemic, it's on both legs. And you can have people with lymphedema from the right arm, you know, because they, like in their arm, because they had, let's say, uh, breast cancer surgery, which removed the lymph glands. This happened to my mother. And so you have to have this manual lymph drainage. Okay. But this person didn't have this. And why, when you have two legs, why is it doing one, but not the other? This is where you always suspect the first thing you suspect when you have Dr. Marshall always used to say this, which is on your body. When you have two of a thing and only one is always suspect what's called an interference field. That's where I do the mud pack. So for this guy um, doing mud packs on the low back, because why? What are the mud packs? The mud packs are the reason that the swelling is going on in that leg is because the nerves are being blocked. And so the little micro vessels that control the muscles that pump fluid back uphill, they've gone weak. So it's essentially like the things, the, the vessels, the blood flow, as well as the lymphatic flow that normally is pumping are like muscles. So it's kind of like this. Grandma has a stroke and the right side of her face is droopy. And you say to grandma, try harder. She can't. It's paralyzed. So this guy, what it is, is in his spine because of a back injury is the right side, the nerves and the, the blood flow and all this other stuff, the normal nerve and energy flow going to the right side that splits right at the low back and goes into the then sciatic nerve, that side is blown out. So what the mud packs do is essentially rewire you. They rewire the magnetic field because if you went to a doctor and said, I think the nerves are broken and you ask them to reconnect these nerves, they'd look at it and they go, they're there. There's nothing wrong with them. And if they were to use electrical equipment, they go, it's still sending a signal, but you know, really truth be told, if they get into some sensitive enough equipment, they could see, oh, whoa, yeah, it's, it's a lot less. There's a lot less. There's a lot less nerve flow and energetic flow as well as, as muscle firing happening on this side. But the problem is, is they wouldn't know how to fix it because their way of fixing is like standard electrician, which is you twist the wires together, right? Cut them apart and, and re-put them back together. But see, the wires are have an electromagnetic field, which is this invisible field. And the way that the reason the wires are where they are is because the magnet, what comes first? It's the magnetic field. It's the invisible field that's first. And then the body makes the thing in that field. So the first thing to do is restore the field. And that's where the mud packs come in. Um, I also found for him, again, uh, low hydrochloric, anytime your kidneys are not working very well, 
It could be, especially when you have the lower body stuff that's happening in my lower body. You also look at the kidneys because the kidneys are right there. And then, and so maybe the fluid is not having, because the kidneys are jammed up, the pump is being, or the filter is being clogged. That means the pump is not strong enough to pump the fluid back uphill. And in your feet and in your leg, that's uphill because you're standing up most of the time. And so to pump it up, the machine has to be working. It's all these different muscles and things like that. So um, the Renovin helps to unblock the kidneys. Um, another thing is, is, is maybe you're sending way too many waste products to those kidneys. And where's those first waste products come from? Your digestion. So if you're digest, if you're not digesting good enough, if you're not like those old cars, like a 19, you know, 60s, you know, Mustang, if you're driving behind it and all the smoke is coming out of it and you smell gas, it's because it's not digesting it correctly or combusting it correctly. Whereas when you take it to the garage and you tune it up and you have a good catalytic converter, you're behind it and, and you don't smell any gas and there's no smoke. That means all of the fuel is being built or being burnt. And so what goes to the filters the, where the waste product comes out, it's very relatively clean. And so if your filters are clogged up, how do they get clogged there in the first place? Well, first go to the first place that it happens, which is digestion. Maybe you're not digesting your food. And instead of like, you know, like remember Cookie Monster? If you remember Cookie Monster when he would eat, I used to bother me when I was a kid. Is because, you know, yes, I knew he was a puppet, but I was like, when he would take cookies, go, nom, 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 nom. And it would just, the cookies would go all over the place. Well, he doesn't have a throat. He can't swallow. And like, as a puppeteer, how else are you going to show it? But it bothered me. It was because like, you just ate that whole plate of cookies and not one bit of it went down your mouth, right? It just goes all over the place. So it didn't go where it was supposed to. So without enough hydrochloric acid, you're not digesting the food and you're producing a big mess, which means then your kidneys and liver and all this other stuff has to clear it up. So by raising your hydrochloric acid, now you have better digestion, which means you have a cleaner burn and you're not sending as many waste products. Okay. And then the other thing that anytime you're dealing with swelling is you, uh, again, if you want to release these muscles, magnesium. So sometimes it's these tight muscles that are pinching on the valves and not allowing the fluid to get out of that leg. And so uh, uh, as a deficiency, we could look at what's called magnesium because magnesium is a natural muscle relaxant. How does it work? A muscle contracts by calcium and a muscle relaxes by magnesium. So if you want a muscle to relax and not be stuck in a contraction, you have to give it magnesium. Well, magnesium is difficult to get and very a lot of people are deficient in magnesium. And so again, magnesium is another COVID type of thing, whatever you want to say, just like take magnesium too. make sure you have magnesium. For this guy, I also had him take one of the best ways to get the benefit out of magnesium, especially if you're really tight, is take an Epsom salt bath. Epsom salt, which you can buy anywhere, is what's called a magnesium sulfate Buy the big six pound bag and or the big four pound um, milk carton that goes into your bathtub. Fill up your bathtub with hot water, put four pounds in it. That seems like a lot, but it's uh, you should see my um, testimonials of people going, I, you know, that made all the difference. When you finally do a high enough concentration and you stay in that bathtub for about an hour 
And what it does is the magnesium goes in through your skin, goes directly to the muscles, goes directly into your bloodstream, and you feel, whew, wow. So if you're really stressed out or muscles are really tight or you're dealing with back pain and these things, take an Epsom salt bath and go to bed. That is four pounds of Epsom salt, pour it in the bathtub, sit there for about an hour, then get out, towel off, and then get in bed. And you will sleep like a baby and your muscles will feel so much better. All right. Um, here's another question. A question from Melissa. Uh, Melissa says she can't give up morning coffee. She heard that caffeine is bad. Is there some replacements? And is caffeine bad? Well, let me tell you this about coffee. Is uh, I like what Dr. Mercola said. It's just a general good rule of thumb. You know, coffee, you know, the research goes back and forth. And if you want to be honest, there's a ton of antioxidants in coffee. If you're just drinking black coffee, you know, if you're doing Starbucks where all these add-ins and stuff like that, these add-ins are more, more harmful than the actual coffee, right? So let's just focus on, we're talking about coffee, okay? Black coffee, what is coffee itself? And then there's caffeine that's in coffee. So coffee in itself has all of these polyphenols that have been shown, like black chocolate, to be very, very healthy, Okay, And caffeine, when you do too much caffeine, that has shown to be unhealthy because it causes blood pressure issues and it causes adrenaline and all this other stuff. Okay, But we've also shown that small amount and tolerable amounts of caffeine is actually good for your system. Right. If you want to say make your Tylenol work faster, take it with some coffee, take it with some caffeine because it speeds up the system. If you want to take certain supplements that you want them to get into the system faster, some caffeine works really well. And there's a number of different caffeine. So if people really find that the caffeine, they're okay with that, but they don't want to do the coffee because the other thing is the coffee can create acidic. And this is what Dr. Mercola said. The rule of thumb is, is how do I know that coffee is good for me? After you drink your coffee within an hour or the next time you urinate, if it smells like coffee, then you're good. You can drink coffee. And people go, I don't know. I've never smelled it. And other people, oh, yeah, I smell it in my, my pee all the time, which is like basically, oh, yeah, I can smell that coffee there. That means your kidneys are filtering out and it's coming through your body. Same thing with asparagus. If it smells from, then that means your kidneys are filtering and it's good. Okay. Now, if a person says drinks coffee and they cannot smell it at all, and it just smells like, you know, whatever, it doesn't smell like a coffee smell, then they should not be drinking coffee. That's a time to take a break of coffee. Okay. So then if we want to still say, but I want, still want some caffeine, what are some other substitutes? There's a tea that's a South American tea called yerba mate. Really, really good. Green tea, there is half the amounts of caffeine in green tea, but again, the polyphenols are there and stuff like that. And so those are two really good substitutes to still get your coffee, or I'm sorry, to get your caffeine. Now, if a person says, I want to do something that's not, no caffeine whatsoever, then we can get into, there's a whole world of other drinks. Now, if we like the good depth of coffee, I recommend the roasted dandelion root. I drink that all the time. Um, and it really has a really good hearty flavor. And dandelion root is really good for your um, your liver, for your kidneys. It's a detoxifier. It's excellent. Um, and it gives you... Now, but keep in mind, a lot of times people... Coffee is just... It's a hot drink. And I've had other people who I really suggest doing... 
um, a morning tonic, meaning a lot of times people will say, well, you know, I can't really have a good bowel movement. Like I drink my coffee and then within an hour I have to sit down and I have to go poo before I go to work. And that's great. And but once I got off that coffee, now I'm constipated and I can't do anything. So people say, I'm afraid to take that away and substitute it with something like that because my body's used to the caffeine. Well, a lot of times it's not actually the caffeine or the coffee as a stimulant. What it is, is it's just the hot water. So I've known people who have found where they just do, let's say, hot lemon water. And that's great. And they go, wow, like that works the same. And I, you know, it's just the hot, soothing water. Another really good morning tonic is is like hot water with um, apple cider vinegar or lemon. You, it's an acid either way. Some maple syrup, um, some cayenne pepper, just a tiny little bit of cayenne pepper, and sea salt, right? Now, there's different varying degrees of how much. And you want it to, and some people also, instead of the, the um, maple syrup, they add honey. The reason for the maple syrup is as a sweetener is not just to sweeten it up, but also there's a lot of minerals because um, maple syrup is just, just, you know, boiled down tree water and the trees pull all these minerals, especially the maples and stuff like that. They bring up deep minerals. So there's a lot of really good minerals that are in that. Um, and people find it's just that hot morning drink that is invigorating. It gets my digestion going. The lemon and the apple cider vinegar kind of gets my liver going. It gets me, um, gets my guts going in terms of my bowels moving. And, uh, it works just as good. So sometimes it's really not even the coffee or the caffeine. It's just the ritual and it's the hot thing in the morning. So this is Jason Eagle, your natural health authority. This has been another show. And so thank you so much for listening and pass it on. If you want to find me, um, even look in podcast at uh, look for um, Healing Matters and you'll find me there. So until next time, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Okay. Hey, Facebook. Sorry about this. I know I'm all skewed and um, I put a new um, version of Facebook on my phone and it's just acting screwy and weird. So hopefully with this went through and when I put it on YouTube, I'll be able to kind of turn it back around. It'll be a little bit different. So thanks for bearing with me and hopefully this uh, turned out. So, all right. Bye-bye everybody.
for some reason it's not letting me hit finish. The finish button's not doing anything. And, uh... <laughs>